Hi guys, welcome back to Wilder's Cricket Stories. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. Today we have a very special guest with us. Which we uh, say every time we have every a guest time. Time. All of our guests are special, aren't true, they? True, true. Like, true. let's be honest. 100%. Do we ever have non-special people on our podcast? No. Exactly. So, going back, we do have a very special guest with us today. Um, Maggie, how do you pronounce your surname? Samalenko. Maggie Samalenko, all the way from Ohio. Um... In the United States of America, she is our client. We've been getting quite a few questions about having a client or guest of ours on the podcast. So we decided we evaluated Maggie for the first couple of days, and we decided she she fits the profile. She passed the test. We're like, yeah, no, she's cool. Let's do it. Craig was like, do you, should we ask her? Like, yeah, let's do it. Well, thank you. It's an it's an honor. My is first it really podcast. Though, wow. It, really... it is. Okay. It is. I'm glad. I'm glad. So just to give you guys a background on Maggie, uh, she joined she's joined us for what, now two weeks or just under? Just under two weeks. Yeah. Um Maggie came uh, obviously over here and Maggie, I want to hand over to you and I want to, you to just explain to everyone how exactly you found us, because it is a really cool story. Alright, it's a little bit interesting. So I've always loved animals, grew up just knowing that this was kind of my thing and I have especially over the past, I would say, year, year and a half, have found that love a lot more um, through veterinary medicine um, and working at a vet clinic. And I realized, you know, that role that I love so much. So I played volleyball at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and my libero, Bailey Flowerdew, uh, happened to answer a text that I sent out if anyone had any family members in vet med or zoology. And she sends this text back and she said, well, my cousin's a safari guide. (laughs) (laughs) So that obviously piqued my interest. And I kind of, I texted her separately and was like, well, what do you mean? She was like, yeah, my cousin lives in Africa and he does safaris. And that's that's about all she knew. And so I got, yeah, yeah, that was about the extent of the information I got from her. To be honest, the last time I saw Bailey, I was... The ripe old age of 12, and I think she was like like two or something like that. Yeah. I know Craig better than Bailey does now, which is kind of <laughs> funny to think about. But no, I, I got in contact with Craig and basically said, hey, I know Bailey and I love animals and you live in Africa. Can we make something happen here? And look at me now. Here you are. Super spontaneous and like it's it's you know even though obviously you had the co- connection with Bailey and you knew that Craig was a real person, <laughs> it is still like kind of a scary thing to do and just j- jump for it. Let's go to Africa. Let's see what we can do. And like Craig pretty much put on uh, like together an itinerary to for you to go and see. We've been to a couple of different rescue centers and mm. obviously we spent quite a long time in Kruger on on safari. That was obviously the probably the biggest part of it. And um, but you know, Craig put this all together for you. Uh, but it's still kind of like a like a scary thing to do, just jumping and being like, let's yeah. you know jump on a plane and go to South Africa <laughs> and meet these random people that I've never met before on your own as well. Like it was you were you were on your own. You were like, <laughs> I want to do this. It's been my dream. And um, I remember when I was setting everything up for you, um, <laughs> kind of said, okay, cool. Let's let let's talk about a budget. What are you looking to spend? And you were like. 
just give me a number, I will make it work. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Should I, should I throw out like $20,000? I'm kidding. Obviously, uh, I did not do that. Hence why you're here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been great having you and just having a great insight. And I must be honest, um, you know, just, and I was chatting to Carolina a while ago. And I think we mentioned it to you about how, how kind of switched on you are and how, how like good of a guest you've actually been. Because often you'll, <laughs> I'll tell you something once. And like you'll remember it, you're like a sponge, and that's great because that's not quite that's not common with mm. guests. Sometimes you have to repeat yourself two or three times, which I don't mind doing because you are overloaded with information on a safari experience. And uh, I must be honest, I'm really impressed with your knowledge and your ability to hold that knowledge. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. I try. I mean, that was part of coming on this trip, and you you know you mentioned spontaneity, I guess, but. I knew this had been my dream for, for forever. It's a bucket list item, 100%. And so when the opportunity arose, I kind of jumped at it. And I guess the nerves didn't really hit me until I'm about 15 minutes from landing in Johannesburg. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I'm about to meet some strangers and spend, you know, about two weeks with them. Hopefully I get along with them. And I've been super fortunate that we've had some really good conversations and Lots of laughs, for sure, but it's been a really, really good time. No, but that is definitely something to be nervous about, like, and I think we have gotten so used to it, because that's kind of, like, part of our job. It that is, we, yeah. We spend a lot of time with people who we've never met before, and, you know, that, that is part of our jobs as, as guides, uh, both safari and photographic guides, but... It is something that is kind of crazy and, you know, being a young girl traveling to Africa and being like, what if I don't get along with these people? Like, what if we have the worst time ever? Because that can really destroy an experience. Like, Absolutely. You can have the most amazing sightings ever and it can be beautiful and everything can go right. But if you're with people that you don't get along with, it can just ruin everything. Yeah, yeah. your safari guide could be a dick. Yeah, he, I mean, he wasn't great. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, and, and there was, like, obviously those nerves, but when it's something that you dream of for so long that you kind of just have to, and I am a very anxious person, but you kind of just have to push that in the back of your head and be like, it's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're going to see these animals that you've seen in a zoo or whatever that, like, you're going to see them in their natural habitat, and you really can't put a price on that. No, not at all. Not so... About that, the animals, and, you know, coming to experience Kruger and the safari, because that's what we've been doing most part of the trip, I think it would be cool for the listeners to hear from someone who's here for the absolute first time, you've only seen these animals in zoos or on TV and so on, what is it like, you know, seeing an elephant? <laughs> for the first time? Or, like, we've had some close encounters with lions, like, yeah. you know... What What is that like? I will say, so we started off, we were driving in um, from the airport, and we stopped at a rest station, and there was rhino. There was rhino there yeah. for a game reserve trading post kind of thing, and I was like, oh my god, like this is extremely accessible. And Sorry, let me just pause you there. For those who don't know, there's this Alzu um <laughs> gas station she kind of explained it? it like it was kind of like to do wildlife <laughs> trafficking <laughs> yeah sorry i guess it's not as <laughs> god Carolina. no i'm just trying to explain what this is because yeah this is this is a um like this is a, a garage or a, ca or a petrol gas station gas station petrol station uh from Johann it's about two hours out of johannesburg and it's something you pass on the way to the kruger area uh, most south africans knows of, knows about this but it's just 
also like a just a good, it's called Alzu. It's Alzu. called Alzu. Uh, and they uh, they have animals there in like a holding pen, I guess, between like moving between reserves. So the animals are there for quite a short time, and then they move to the next reserve that they might be going to. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, so that's what it, that's what it's, it is it's about. A, it's a it's a holding station for for different species. So like they'll have. Well, Maggie can explain what he, what she saw and what she was overwhelmed, but it's it's a holding station for basically just for a period of time. They often do a lot of wildlife auctions for very various reserves um, across uh, the country or across that area, and um, yeah. So what did you see? Tell yeah, us. Yeah, sorry, so, cut you off there, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so you know, I I think the big one was we saw a rhino, and like I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy that. There's not many rhino at gas stations in Ohio, for sure. Um, there's some good people watching, but that's besides the point. Um, but, you know, we once we got in the car after that, we kind of decided, we're like, do I count it as seeing one of the big five? And we're like, we'll make that decision after we get through Kruger. If yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah. If we see cool. a rhino in Kruger, then we'll count it. But So we get into Kruger, and it was just, it was kind of magical, really, because the first you know, a couple minutes of our drive, there's zebra and giraffes. It was like, everything was just saying hello, like as you're walking in. And I got really lucky in that sense, but it's just kind of this overwhelming, you don't, it doesn't even feel real. Like it yeah. feels like it, cause you're so used to seeing them in a zoo or whatever we were kind of talking about. And now you have to wrap your head around, this is their natural habitat and I'm visiting them. It's mm. one of the oldest ecosystems in yeah. the world. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah. It's just incredible to, to get a bit of insight from you um, because obviously like myself and Carolina would be able to also have more of an understanding of what you went through. I can't, unfortunately. I've been going to the Kruger, as I've spoken about on previous podcasts, since I was in a carry cart, you know, hmm. since before I could walk. And uh, I can't remember that original feeling. It's just become, it's, it's just become one with my life and that's how it works. So it's amazing to hear like that, that's a real feeling. Yeah. I, I really can't describe it. And I think that just going back, the only way I'm going to be able to put it into words, I guess, is just with pictures. Like that's the pictures that I've been taking. Mm -hmm. And Carolina has been amazing. I know absolutely nothing about photography and I brought a camera with me and she's like, I'll show you how to use it. So <laughs> I was fortunate to get some really good pictures throughout the trip, but it's just this unreal feeling. And you know, you will never understand a lion walking right next to your window and looking you in the eyes until you do it. Like, you just can't... There's no way to put that into words. But also, as you say, like, it's not just a lion walking next to your car. It's a wild lion walking yeah. next to your car that, you know, is in its most natural habitat, doing its thing, doing mm -hmm. exactly what it wants. Like, yeah. you know, it, and it, it decides to walk next to your car. Like, that is mind-blowing. Yeah. And then you get the, like, you get to, like, look it in the eyes mm -hmm. at this wild creature that, you know, is living in this incredible ecosystem. That's, as you say, it's not, it's something yeah. that you can't, you can't describe that feeling. Well, and your only, you know, I guess, protection in a way is your car. Like, yeah. that's the only thing stopping you from this animal. And, like, just being able to be so close and know that, you know they're comfortable because it's their domain like you're you're the guest mm. in their home and i think that was such a cool feeling to be like i'm just here to you know i'm here to look at you you do your thing i'm not here to disturb you and just to see how they are acting in their natural element was amazing absolutely uh, i i think you you hit the nail on the head and obviously 
I think was really, and it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, with, with any client, um, but how, you know, that you can, you can feel like a guest or client's emotions, um, when they talk to you about seeing their first X, Y, and Z, um, with regards to animals and you can, you can hear the excitement. And so obviously we had a, an amazing trip through Kruger. Yeah. We were, we were there for about nine days. Um, we went to different camps and what I want to start there is what was your favorite camp? We went to Pretoria Scorp, Lower Sabi and Tamboti and out all three of them, what was your favorite and why? Uh, Tamboti was my favorite, a hundred percent. I think I was a little bit skeptical at first. Um, well, when um, I was on the phone with you uh, going like, oh yeah, we're going to be living in a tent. <laughs> uh, well, the tent, I saw the pictures and I was like, okay, like what is this like really going to be like? And that took me a second. And then I, we show up and I'm like, okay, like I can, I can do this. And I think because it was the third camp, the final camp that we stayed at, I really warmed up to, you know, I'm the gate to Kruger or the fences to Kruger are right here. There's animals right here. This is kind of how it works. So I think ending on this, you know, this tent where it has flaps that just have a mesh barrier was, it was crazy because you're just sitting in there at night. And all of a sudden you hear like wrestling around and you turn around and look out your, I guess, quote unquote window and there's two honey badgers <laughs> <laughs> wrestling each other or um, a Janet, you know, running across by my trash can. There, you can't beat that. And I think waking up to those sounds or hearing lions calling or baboons or whatever, you can't replicate that on a, on a sound machine. <laughs> you get so merged into nature and that's why yes. we love bringing guests to that camp because it is one of our absolute favorites mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, because it is, as you say, being in a tent like that, and also Tamboiti is such a beautiful camp because the tents are quite like separated from each other. You have a lot of yeah. vegetation around and so on, and you're on a river, so you you really get merged into nature. And even though you have the safety of you know of a fence for for bigger animals and so on, the honey badgers famously come around at mm. Tamboiti, and they're quite resident there. And you know, that's there is animals around the camp. Yeah. You are very merged in nature in the wild, which is yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And I think, as you say, it is probably good that we did that last because I think that <laughs> maybe can be a bit of a shock if you're coming. A little bit overwhelming. From, little shock to the system. Straight yeah. landing. Yeah. Straight out of from Atlanta. Into first tent. place we do. Let's get into a tent. Yeah. And I think look at eating dinner and then looking up and saying, oh, a hyena about you know what was that, like 10 meters from us? Like outside right outside the fence. the fence. And we're like, okay, and go back to eating. Just <laughs> at that point in the trip, we're like, oh, cool. And it you, you don't even register at this point uh. that there's this wild animal so close to me and I just get to sit here and enjoy my dinner and it continues on its day. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. And at Tamboti, you definitely got a bit <laughs> of the, like real Africa experience. Like we've, we've spoken a little bit about different... Hmm. The different experiences just with you and on the podcast we've spoken about the difference between staying in the national park itself at these rest camps which is what we what we've been doing now and going to the private lodges and you know five-star hotels yeah. kind of thing and obviously both of them have such great uh, pros and like they have their place and they are like we recommend and for different people will recommend a different experience but i think for you you were here to really like experience africa and you you were like no i don't care about luxury like i just yeah, I absolutely stay whatever so 
then I think the race camps is such an amazing place and especially a place like Tamboti because you get so immersed into nature and you get the real full Africa experience that you yeah. probably wouldn't get at a private lodge. Yeah, so we've spoken a little bit about it, but but tell us about the <laughs> kind of like the animal encounters, I guess, that you had and, you know, got that kind of welcome from Africa, I guess. Yeah, so I think I think the monkeys came first. So I yeah. had, so I think it was it was night number two, but um, I had we had gone for on our morning drive, and I we we just come back to camp, and there was a they had cleaned our rooms in between. It was more they made, remade the bed, gave fresh towels, and I go in my room and I had my suitcase on my on my other bed. There's two twin beds. I had my suitcase on the other one, and I come back to an empty jar, an empty jar and a bag of uh tampons ripped open <laughs> ripped open and this gel it was a jar of jelly that i bought for my mom as a present and it was completely unopened zipped in my suitcase and they had warned me not to keep any food in my room and i kept every time i left my room my backpack with any other snacks came with me i forgot the jelly was in my suitcase i thought it was safe and i was wrong um, they, the, I think, uh, in between, while they were cleaning the room, the door was left open for a minute and, uh, a monkey took full advantage and had bitten open the marula jelly jar and licked it clean. There That's was, crazy. yeah, there was, there I was, must be honest. It looked like when you brought it to me, uh, <laughs> after this had happened, it looked like it had been put in a dishwasher. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, it was spotless. No, oh, absolutely. Like if they had put the lid back on, they, I would have. You know, it was perfect. But and I, I we talked about this because we stopped somewhere for breakfast the one morning. The monkeys like to steal sugar packets, which yeah. I didn't really know. Yeah. So I'm assuming they thought that my tampons were sugar packets, and I mean that's a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Not quite For monkeys. Yeah, but no, it was it was honestly hilarious, and I can't like that's just a story that'll stay with me forever. Yeah, no, it's such a funny thing, you know. And as you say, it was obviously the the monkeys took advantage of you know the door being open. So it wasn't like they broke into the no. tent. No, no, they didn't. But rip any and also like just... luckily they didn't destroy anything. No, uh, or anything. But it's but it's just such a cool story because it's you know that's that's kind of something that doesn't you know you can't experience that anywhere no else. no there's no monkeys breaking into my into my house at home for sure <laughs> so we have obviously had an amazing trip over the nine day uh nine days in kruger um i want to hear from because we were the team that was there <laughs> the three of us we were there uh, i want to hear what what everyone thought was their favorite sighting over because we had we saw so much guys i mean maggie you were exposed to such amazing game viewing um and i want to i want to hear from all three of us what our favorite sighting was over the time over the trip okay cool should i should i start i want you to yeah. start Gary. okay yeah, go. well yeah because it's it's difficult to pick because i feel like we we were so lucky and i'm so happy that we managed to show you all Magnificent Seven, yeah. which yeah. for those who don't know is the big five plus wild dogs and cheetah. Uh, I think we had two wild dog sightings. Yes. Two very good wild dog sightings. Yeah, uh, and and the one so early in the trip that I like keep one on was on day one. Yeah, I keep on forgetting about it, but it was such an amazing sighting. Yeah. Um. So that that is amazing, and we did get the rhino in Kruger. Uh, for those who who are sitting there wondering if, if we got <laughs> we the did get the rhino, if we did get the rhino in Kruger, and that was also wonderful. Um, 
but I think like <laughs> this so the side thing that comes to mind for me is probably <laughs> because it's so crazy and it was also like such a great sighting because we were just like laughing the whole time because we were also having so much fun if that makes sense hmm. so it wasn't just like the animals were great it was also just like the situation in general was just so yeah. funny and crazy so it was when we were staying in Lower Sabi and we were driving on a dirt road I can't remember which one Craig you will know but that doesn't matter anyway yeah, we were driving on dirt we're S40. There we go. Driving hmm. the dirt road. And we started like getting into this conversation, which could also be a funny subject on the story, which famous people Craig has guided, which there is actually quite a few uh, very famous people that which Craig has guided. Which let's just mention that I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh, sorry. Openly. Never mind. Um, then we won't yeah. talk about that on the podcast. We're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I signed some pretty serious contracts. Okay. <laughs> But you're allowed to brag about it to guests. Every now and then. So if you come on safari with us, you'll you'll find out. <laughs> anyway, so we were chatting about that and we kind of forgot a little bit about the time. And then all of a sudden we realized, oh wait, we're a little bit further away from the gate than we're supposed to be. And we need to kind of start rushing a little bit. <laughs> so uh, we had to drive a little bit faster then we had we had been driving like 20 kilometers an hour, like just taking it easy. <laughs> so we had to kind of get going a little bit. Yeah, so Craig is driving, trying to hurry to get back to the gate, and all of a sudden, we just, there's these two hippos right next to the road, and it feels like we drive past them in like the slow motion, like, and, and we had, didn't have time to like stop and view them, we obviously slowed down, but like, we didn't have time to like stop and take photos or whatever. So we're like driving past in this like... Just like, like to add that I, I wasn't speeding. I just no, no. went from 20 to 50 because 50 was the legal <laughs> exactly. limit. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. And then like <laughs> Craig slows down because he sees them, but he's like, I don't have time to stop, guys. But so that was like, cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We like driving past them in like slow motion and I'm sitting on the left-hand side and Maggie and Craig are sitting on the right-hand side behind each other. And I just see like these hippos because hippos are huge animals and i just see these hippos heads just filling up the, <laughs> the windows of the car like and it's just like i'm just seeing like maggie and craig at each window and then just two hippos at each window just <laughs> falling up and it's like slow motion driving past them and we're like okay that happened and we continue driving we're like that was crazy like it was such a shame we couldn't stop and actually watch them cross the road or whatever but we were like, that was crazy. We we're just all laughing and like amazing. And we get onto the tar road and now we're very close to the gate. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's a male lion on the road. And this is, those who have been to Kruger know that this is always the case. When you're in a little bit of a rush, you need to get back to the gate because it's closing. There's always something on the road that is like stopping you or that you're like, you have to watch this. So there's this male lion on the road. And he starts walking towards uh, towards our cars. We obviously have to stop. And he walks right past our car. like, And that's when, when you were talking about looking into male lion's yeah. eyes. Like that was the sighting. Walks straight past our car. Like literally 10 centimeters away from the car. And then he marks his territory on the car. <laughs> Lifts up his little tail. Sprays a whole bunch of urine on my reverse light. And then walks off. And then walks off. <laughs> And then before we've even like caught our breath for this happening and we're like, what just happened? He just sprayed, like sprayed on our car. <laughs> uh, another male lion follows him and walks straight past us. 
same thing. He didn't. He didn't mark his he territory. Didn't, he didn't send mark no. But and then a third lion comes walking. So we had three male lions walking past our car and then continue on their merry way, and we had to get back to the gate, and we did make it in time. So. We did not. We were about ten minutes late, oh, and the it? gate guard well. was not chuffed. Hey? <laughs> I, I literally said, I remember this, and, and those of you who have been to Kruger and have self-drive, you'd know the conversation. Sorry, sir, there was three male lines, and this guy just wasn't really interested. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he, ready to party. You could see, yeah, he was ha- he was half out of uniform. <laughs> and um, he, he, t- to be honest, he was he did have his respectable shirt on, but he had his jeans on, and he was he was ready to go to his, his little disco, I reckon. And um, he just looked at me, and I said, sorry, sir, there was five lines. He went, Okay, and I went. Yeah, I, I'm really sorry. They were just in the middle of the road. Okay, and I was like, I'm I'm really sorry. I'm late. Okay, you can go. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so that was that was incredible, and we were like just laughing when we got back. We were just like, how how did that happen? Because it was a quiet drive, wasn't it? it yeah. We had like yeah. a. I think we had a buffalo sighting, and we sat with baboons for a while. Didn't yeah, we? that was really yeah. cute. There were two tiny, tiny babies that were just like hitting each it was other. Adorable. Um, yeah, it was great. And then and just, right you know, the, the end, last, like, ten minutes, course. it's just like, boom. So, yeah, I think that's the that's the one that stands out to me the most. Uh, but how, how about you, Maggie? I think there's so much, and it's it must be difficult to, to pick, because it was a lot of, well, all of this was the first time you were seeing it, which is very special. Yeah, and even thinking about this before I came, I came on the podcast, I was kind of thinking about what my favorites were and what I wanted to tell my family. And this one just, just popped into my head, but there was a time, one of our drives, I think it was towards the end, and we saw four of the five big five within 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was so insane. We basically had just left the gate. Always the first about 15 minutes of the drive were silent. We were just sitting there drinking our coffee. We wouldn't kind of talk to each other much. We were just waking up because it is 4.30 in the morning. And we're... I, we're driving, and all of a sudden, Craig goes, that was a leopard. And the, every, we kind of start freaking out. And, of course, I didn't see it because I'm messing with my coffee cup. <laughs> and he's like, just wait. It'll cross the road again. And this leopard just, you know, again, as if in slow motion, just crosses the road right in front of our headlights. And we're pretty much the only ones that see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was unreal. And we're like, what a great way to start the day. This is great. We're, ener- we're energized. Keep driving down the road. Okay. Lions on the road again. <laughs> like Lion- literally five minutes after. Yeah. It exactly. was, wasn't it? Literally yeah. five minutes after, like from 4.30 to 5 a.m., we saw all these animals. And so there's lions on the road, and there's an elephant right behind it, and about another, what, it like 20 meters down the road, there's buffalo. It was yeah. just <laughs> this crazy, like, full Lion King moment of every animal, <laughs> like every expectation you have, I guess, coming into the park of if every animal just sat together and held hands, were <laughs> just happened. They all just happened to be there at once, which was. I think that's absolutely the, and, insane. And, and obviously, when you have a morning like that, it just sets the bar really high, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Good thing it was at the end, of, towards the end of the trip. Yeah, yeah. It was about the halfway mark, actually. Yeah, we actually said, like, imagine if this was your like first day, we oh, would have been screwed oh for the rest of the trip. My goodness. Yeah, no, that was crazy. And uh, like with the leopard, I think that was so special because, as you say, we were the, pretty much the only ones that saw it, and it just shows how like right place, right time is such a big thing in the bush because. We were driving and we had like three cars in front of us yeah. because, you know, yeah. there and were two behind us and that came like us. as the leopard had disappeared. Exactly. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, 
Craig like sees this this leopard behind a bush and he stops and he he realizes that she got a little bit spooked by us driving past so he stops and reverses and like gives her some space and then we just sit and wait for like a minute and and then she passed like she crossed the road right in front of us because now she felt comfortable you know and the people behind us didn't see it the two cars behind us and the people who were, who were in front of us had already driven past and they were they were going so we Crazy. were the only ones who saw it and it's it's amazing that's just how mother nature works and uh, i think well, we all know that i mean it's right place right time like you said carolina and mm. it's just it's luck of the draw especially with cats like leopard uh in like the public area of kruger where you can't track yeah so you, it's really you can't use your skill you can I suppose when it comes to spotting them in the distance when they're mm. in a tree or something like that, that that takes your bush eyes that have, have had a little bit of training behind them. But with regards to tracking an, a, a leopard, it, it's next to impossible in the public area of Kruger. Yeah. So yeah, I th it was just right place, right time, and Mother Nature was like, "You guys deserve a good one." Yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible, and I think just to. To top off my on our last game drive in the evening, right before we were set to leave Kruger the next day, we're driving back. It was just a very like nice, relaxing game drive. We were all talking and chatting, kind of just going over what we had seen over the past little over a week. And um, Carolina looks at this wildebeest and I was like, "Is she pregnant?" And Craig goes, "Yeah." And Carolina goes, "She's giving birth." <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't even, I think my jaw just dropped open for a good 10 minutes and we just watched this wildebeest work on giving birth and be in labor. And it, I've, I had a tear come to my eye because how do you, how do you ever see life come into the world in that way, in such a yeah. natural way? And also with the sun, like from the photography point of view, <laughs> uh, the sun was setting, she was standing there, she was like perfect distance away from us where we get like a good view. But she was also, the craziest thing was she was like facing like her bum towards us. Like she kind of showing us like, look, here's my baby being born. And like, you know, it, it was just crazy. And yeah. we just watched her, you know, lie down. And, and as you also said, completely quiet, not making a symbol, yeah. like not a sound. And she would like lie down and, you know, be a little bit uncomfortable. She would push and then she would stand up and she would just be like, eating grass like as she's giving like giving birth <laughs> like she's in labor and giving birth and you're like and you're just eating grass like it's nothing yeah <laughs> uh, no it was that was an incredible incredible thing to witness. yeah that was absolutely breathtaking and i think i mean how do you <laughs> what just happened shame those poor things um just to just to let everyone know we are sitting outside right now and we just had two geckos just fall on the table where the microphone is that was quite shame these poor things is that is that one okay Oh, they're all yeah. good. They're all good. They're good. Good job, buddy. They hardy things. <laughs> that was great. Um, but yeah, going back to that sighting, I think, you know, it was just, you were watching life. Yeah. Coming into this world. And it was on your last drive. Yeah. And um, I just remember you were like, who who asked me? Was it, I think it was either you or Caroline said like, so what are the chances of this thing surviving? Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at the sun and it was like almost gone. It was getting dark and she wasn't even halfway through the birth birthing process. And I was like, it's going to be tough because tonight is where that, that, that little one needs to learn how to stand mm. and um, walk with mom. And as we left, we saw two hyenas <laughs> come in and we were like, no, nah, this is done. No, I don't think so. And I remember making the comment and uh, the next morning we woke up and 
with Carolina, you had heard someone say there were 15 lions walking down the road yeah. close to the junction. I was like, there is no ways that this baby wildebeest is alive. Well, we're rooting for it. Yeah, me, I know. Me and Carolina are rooting for it. We're optimists. The optimism and Craig, obviously, being the realist that I am, I was like, there is no ways. And um, this cheeky little baby... Against all odds, we drove out the next morning, and we must have spent, what, maybe 10 minutes looking at the different scattered groups yeah. of wildebeest on that clearing, and uh, looking, and we couldn't find it, couldn't find it, and I think it was the last group we had checked, yeah. we saw this tiny little wet baby, and I was like, there it is, this little bugger survived a Pride of Lions walk past here, and two, if not more, hyenas in and around the area. And what, what, Maggie, what did you say? You said, this one's going to rule the world. <laughs> it's invincible. Yeah. How do you survive that as a... No, it was absolutely present. incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just to see that, it just shows you, you know, Mother Nature can surprise you. And um, just like that little wildebeest did, you know, often that won't happen because as soon as a pride of lion comes across, they assess which one is the weakest and they go for it. Hyenas are even more opportunistic than lions and we all know that and... Um, yeah, just the fact that that little one actually got through mm-hmm. was was pretty amazing. And actually, we shouldn't let human emotions get involved out here. But I did I did feel a little bit emotional seeing that little one the next morning. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it very was amazing. Cool. But Craig, tell us what was your favorite sighting? <laughs> I think it's not. It wasn't really a sighting. It was more a situation. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> of course it was a sighting. Of course it was a it's sighting. Both. It was it was a it was an incredible sighting actually. Um, but I think it was more the situation that is the reason that it's top of my list. Uh, so we were driving um, along the Timbavati River Road. Those of you who know it, um, I'm not sure that the exact number or the, the name of the road, but it goes along the Timbavati River up towards the Timbavati picnic spot. And there's some very cool open clearings on there. And we had actually quite a quiet drive, didn't we? Yeah. We had a, a pretty quiet drive up until that point. And um, I am going on a rant because we're talking about rhino poaching, am I right? And yeah. I'm, I'm going on a full rant, getting really worked up about um, the corruption that is involved in the activity itself. Or the rhino activity. That you, that you no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but I was just getting really, really, really upset. And I do when I inform clients and guests about it because I'm quite passionate about it. But going to the sighting itself was I was in the middle of my rant <laughs> and I'm I'm obviously speeding up a little bit because I'm, I'm a bit worked up you're pumped up I'm pumped up <laughs> and Maggie goes wait 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 what's these cats <laughs> no well I, I went I went oh there's some jackal on the road go back into my rant well Craig what's those cats and it's two cheetah right next to the road that have just killed an impala from what we could make out and um, I was like I literally, I'm going to say what I, the exact words that in my mouth. I said, that's a fucking cheater. <laughs> um, and uh, everyone's freaking out, grabbing cameras. And it turned out to be, once I sat there for, what, close to an hour? Yeah, probably. With this, it, it turned out to be a female cheater and her sub-adult cub. And what amazed, I think, what amazed us all was um, how these two little black-backed jackals mm. would come back and... Um, every now and then just come peek out and the the moment of the sighting that really fascinated me or wowed me was after the well what's those cats that that was my highlight but <laughs> i think the when that when that youngster 
chased after the the jackals and really gave it horns. It must have chased it for about what a good hundred. Yeah, it was meters. crazy. I mean, it just gave you a rough idea of that wasn't even the speed that those animals can travel at, but just the the just how fast they actually can be. And I think as someone, it's first time in Kruger and Craig mentioned bush eyes, but you know, it's basically like this big game of I spy for mm-hmm. about nine days and you're looking and obviously your eyes aren't as trained to be able to spot things. But again, he's in this rant and sometimes you th- you see things so fast and we would reverse many times thinking we saw a lion and it was a termite mount. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to tell, but it was one of those where it was so fast that I my words just didn't work <laughs> and all I could say is, what are these cats? <laughs> it was brilliant. No, it was. Because it, was it wasn't like you were like, Stop, stop, stop. What are these cats? Like, there's a cat here. You were like... Wait, what are those cats? Yeah, it was <laughs> so like, casual. So calm, so <laughs> casual. Uh, and there's cheetah. And, and at this point, of the, like, this was the only cheetah that we saw during the trip. Yeah. So this meant, because this was one of the last days, I think, mm-hmm. this meant, this was the last one to for completing the Big the, Seven, the, the big seven yeah. or the Magnificent Seven. So that was also, like, very special in that way, that it was like... Oh my word, here's these cheetah. And you were just like, what's this cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was amazing, exciting. And I must be honest, it's one of the, well, look, we've had, we had, we've been lucky over the last six months with cheetah. Mm. Uh, but I think that one, just from the behavior point of view and the interaction with both the mother and uh, the youngster, along with the blackback jackals being chased by these two individuals, I think it's, it's, it's one of the better ones from an animal interaction um, point of view. Yeah, that was it. Was an incredible sighting, really was. So Maggie, um, one last question: What was your absolute highlight of this entire trip? You've done a lot of things. You've gone to a lot of places. What has been your most amazing thing? Oh my god! What is the first thing you're gonna go back to your mates in in the US and say, "Hey, this is what I saw. This is what I did." Or your family? Oh my god. Well, we just went over some of our top highlights, but I think um, just looking at everything that we have seen and kind of encountered and really it just comes down to this really relationship that we have built and how that incorporates. Sorry, I'm going to get a little, get a little sweet here, (laughs) Um, but just going back and it's just an entire experience. It's not just, you know, you see this one animal and you move on. Okay. And then you wait until you see the next one. There's knowledge behind it and they really Craig and Carolina did such a great job of getting me this experience that I got to witness as much of South Africa as I could in the time in the time that I was here um and seeing you know Mahalo the rehabilitation center and Chimp Eden and being in Kruger I just got a little piece of everything and all the conversations and knowledge that came with it I you know I wouldn't trade that for the world and we would even we really covered every every topic under the sun. When you're in a car with someone for, you know, twelve hours a day, they, you got to talk about things for sure. And it was it's been so much fun. And all these animal sightings are just unreal. And I think the wildebeest does have to be towards the top of my list because you literally saw life. Yeah. How, I mean, it's really hard to top that. But no, there was some really cool things, and I'm have some really good pictures to document it, and you know, just memories as well. Yeah, no, I think it's it's been a great trip from both myself and Carolina. We don't just invite anyone on our podcast, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been in, it's been an incredible ride. And also, we've learned a lot from you. You know, we've learned a lot about obviously you're in a you're an assistant vet um, technician, 
um, back in the US and I actually, I'm going to do some tricks she taught me with my little puppies back home <laughs> and um, take that into, um, into practice. So yeah, you've taught us quite a lot as well. So Also, thank you so much for those sweet words. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's from our side as well. It's just been fantastic and we've just had such a great time and, and I'm so happy that you also feel that that was a big part of the trip or like a big highlight of the trip that, you know, just the general like banter that we've had mm. and like all the crazy conversations like we've spoken about all the conspiracy theories there Every, are. Yeah. all of them and we you know everything from heaven to earth like we've spoken about everything you can think of which has been fantastic and we ha i don't think we've had a, a dull moment in the car no, at all. no uh, because there's always been something to talk about and and that just you know it's just fantastic and, and from our side as well that's what we're very thankful for as well <laughs> well, Maggie, I hope you've enjoyed your time with Wild's Kruger Safaris and Absolutely. myself and Carolina. And I hope, because you've had such an amazing trip, one day you'll be back. Yeah, that is that is the goal. I have a lot of people I want to lug with me out here that I want to well, I want to show it. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll make you a representative, and you need to do your work over there. Absolutely. I, I already volunteered to be their social media admin, so yeah, once the job position's posted, just, just shoot me a text. So before we sign off guys, I just wanna I wanna I've got a I've got a bit of a scenario question to to throw at Maggie. Um, and it's gonna be quite a cool talking point with regards to basically a, a more serious point on a guiding point of view. So guides listening out there kind of maybe want to tune in a little bit now because it's something that I got a question about on my Instagram page a while ago where the, the handle is wild in Namibia um, she's got some really great content she's a um, she's a substitute guide at this time she's currently studying her field guide qualification and she said to me Craig what is your opinion on and now I'm opening the discussion with obviously okay. both you and Carolina Maggie <laughs> is she said to me Craig I have, I, 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 I'm a substitute guard on this reserve. It's 40,000 hectares. Um, she gave me a couple more details, but it's to do with collared animals. She has, on this reserve, they have collared animals. And I was like, okay, cool, great. And she, the question was, how do I feel about guides having access to the collared animals? She didn't seem to be the biggest fan of it. Um, as... So when you mean access, what do you mean? So access to the data. And so the guides, and I'm not, I'm not talking about guides being part of the research team. I'm talking about the research team is completely different. That's reserve management. But the guiding team at the lodges had access to this data. So basically being able to track the animals Be, using with, the colors. Using the telemetry devices, mm -hmm. finding out where these animals are. And it struck me as a really interesting question um, because obviously there's so many different outcomes and it's a bit of a mixed bag with this. But... Maggie, I would like to just ask you the question first up and then I'll, I'll kind of have my take on it is, do you think from a, from a wildlife point of view that a guide, if you paid for this, the wild experience, that the guide should have access to this data? For you as a guest. As a think, guest, yeah. Do you think you would want your guide to be able to just find the animals through this data? Yeah, and I think through, uh, this is a really big question, but overall I would say no. Um, I think part of the excitement is your guide, you know, having to go find these animals, and it's it makes it so much more special when you come across an animal in their natural habitat, not because you kind of had a cheat at it. Yeah. You know, there's no, 
that kind of defeats the purpose of the work rather than just driving the car. Mm. You know, that all you would be doing more so is just plugging it into your into your Google Maps and, and heading <laughs> on your way. But obviously it's, you know, it's much more serious than that. Of but, course. Um, no, I think it just makes it a way more special experience because, you know, you don't have any insight as to what you're going to see. It's And it's a slippery slope into, you know, how much are we controlling these animals into where are they going to be? And I want X, Y, Z car is going to be there. And this is how long you can look at this animal. And there's no time to just, it's just different because you, we wouldn't have that experience with the leopard where we're sitting there by ourselves because sure. someone else could see, and obviously not every animal will be collared, but you know, I think that takes a little bit of how special it can be out of it. Yeah. I think there's, there's that fine line between that pure wilderness experience and kind of that safari park zoo kind of vibe yeah right? exactly and not that i'm saying these places that do this are are kind of zoo like but it just it takes the purpose and i, I personally and yeah thank you for your insight maggie I, I, I really appreciate it but um i think personally i think researchers should have full access to this data obviously because they're 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 studying these animals behavior their territorial movements and um they've got so much that they need to learn and teach via this data. A lot of this coloring data goes and gets used in uh, books, documentaries, and university studies. Yeah. So that is, that the, they need to be collared on, on certain reserves. However, guides providing a wilderness experience, I feel, have them having access to the data. If they're responsible enough, yes, they can. However, I think it does encourage guide laziness where they pick up this, this kind of iPad telemetry device and go, all right, I'm going to go look for the cheetah. Okay. Off you go. You find the cheetah in 45 minutes. You go stop for your coffee break. You bumble around a little bit and then you go back to the lodge. I feel like this is, it creates, especially on a reserve that's 40,000 hectares big. That's massive. Um, you, you have parts of the reserve that actually never end up getting explored and you have animals in that area that need to be habituated, you know, yeah. get, get, more relaxed with the vehicles, but guides are not going there because they're chasing these sightings of the animals that are collared. Yeah, and, and from my side, I was thinking, and Craig, this is probably more a question to you, and, and you know, uh, do you think it also maybe creates unnecessary pressure on these specific collared animals that they are always the ones that be are being found and they're always the ones that, you know, the vehicles are, are going after because they're easy to find because of the collar. And as you say, then you have other animals that don't get habituated to, to vehicles and don't get viewed. And in that way, you're also actually losing out on research data because you're not viewing these other animals that are not colored. And these animals that are colored are always the ones being found every single drive. They'll be there will be a vehicle with this animal and they can't really hide. Wouldn't that also create a necessary pressure on that specific Absolutely. individual? I think I think you hit the nail on the head there, Caroline. I think you know, especially if you take into consideration, I don't have a lot of information on this reserve. All depends on. I, I completely agree with the pressure, and the pressure would be even more increased if there was off-roading on the reserve because mm. that animal is then being found every single drive mm. and being exposed to I don't even know how many vehicles every single drive and. You know, where you on areas where you can't off-road, or look, I'm 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 not necessarily against off-roading, but where there's small, small, small areas, the blocks are small between the roads. These animals can't necessarily get away and like kind of have their own safe space because mm. people are just constantly chasing them, especially if an individual is collared. If they don't have access to that data, exactly what you just said, they have to go out and um, track 
and kind of use their skills because I think it's very easy to forget your tracking knowledge and tracking skills when you all of a sudden have this technology that you can just chase around this, this specific animal. But I do think from a pressure point of view, that is also another massive reason for guys to not have da this access to this data. And I'm thinking like, we obviously kind of, <laughs> we're obviously kind of against this. Yeah, what we, what we say now is kind of, we all, we're all on the same page with saying we shouldn't, you shouldn't maybe have access to the data too much when, when there's colored animals. Yeah, but I, I think, I think there is a time and place where, but it just needs to be, yeah, it needs to be balanced mm. uh, where it's basically, you know, maybe you can go and check with the research team if you've been looking for leopard for five days and your guests really want to see a leopard and you haven't been able to find them, you've worked really hard, maybe you can go and ask the research team nicely and then, you know, you get that one time. It's like a, you know, Bring them a box of chocolates. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like when it's like a one-time thing, yeah. it's like every now and then you can double check and be like, you know what, I've really been looking, Where could you, could you give me a hint or whatever. Then I think it's like, that's a different story. But if it is every single drive, all these guides, like all of the yeah. guides at the reserve, just stand next to a computer watching, okay, cool, these animals are here, 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 here. Okay, let's go and find them. That that feels like that can create unnecessary pressure and, and also guides not doing doing what they're actually there to work for. Absolutely. I think, you know, in a perfect world, the uh, reserve team does have access to the radio channels that guiding teams are using. In general, they have this access. And, you know, the research team or head of research would, would uh, if, and this is where the research team should come to the party every now and then as well, is kind of say, sure, these guys, and everyone's been working hard, they've been looking for three days. They've been looking for three days, there hasn't been lion seen. Let me just, let me just give them an area. We won't give them access, but just say, guys, they were seen in this block this morning. It kind of narrows their search down, um, but that, that, that constant access... You know, I think I think there is a balance where every now and then you say, "Oh, guys, I've had guests here for five days, and tomorrow this this is their last night. They haven't seen lions yet. Can you maybe just give me a clue?" And research can then kind of say, "Yeah, this is it." But it can't become a constantly repetitive thing. I think it's more so from animal pressure and from um, a, a a skill building point of view. You need to build your tracking skills. Don't be lazy. Get out. Get on the ground. Track that animal. Absolutely, I, think, I completely agree. I think we're going to leave that there. You agree, Maggie? I agree, from all my <laughs> nine days of expertise. <laughs> uh, but guys, I think uh, that's where we're going to leave it for today. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Maggie, thank you so much for spending... Well, thank you so much for just letting us conduct your safari experience. We really appreciate um, you guys... You, picking us and choosing us thanks thanks bailey actually yeah. thank you bailey thank you bailey shout out um, to bailey thank you guys so much nah um it's a, only a pleasure and like i said i hope to see you soon back in the sticks that's the goal all right guys uh we'll chat soon cheers <laughs>